Thanks for joining us for Welcome New Life's Sermon of the Week, where it's all good news. To stay up to date on all of our weekly services and events, please visit us at wnla.church. Please enjoy this week's sermon. We hope it encourages you. We have been in a series, this is our, our third week. We've been talking about unsung heroes. These are the people in the scripture that uh, don't get the giant, we don't, don't get the songs written about them like Noah and Moses. These are, those are the guys we always hear about. But we're talking about some folks. Last week we talked about Onesiphorus. And uh, he gets one shout out by Paul. And uh, yet it's super significant. He was a refresher. He was somebody who refreshed Paul and wasn't ashamed of him during his time of persecution. We talked about, um, we talked about Sapara and Pua, the, the midwives in Egypt who refused to kill the baby boys there uh, for Pharaoh's order. Um, and our whole point here is, is to talk about what God is asking you to do, even if you never receive praise from it here on, on earth. The, only, the best place to be is where God's calling you to be. The best thing to do is what he's calling you to do, not what he's calling Larry next door to do. Even though you may, you may look at what Larry's doing and be like, oh man, I wish I could do that. I'm telling you, you're not anointed to do that right now. You're anointed to do and be who God's called you to be. The song, the notes that are right in front of you today. And we do it as unto the Lord. I, I want to share a quick testimony that, that Zeb shared with me. He was reading this book and he, he handed it to me because there was, there was a testimony in there about this gal. She wasn't a believer. She was a stay-at-home mom. And uh, the, her neighbor was also a stay-at-home mom and was a believer. Now, she felt like what she was doing was very insignificant. And she also resented her neighbor because her neighbor was always seemed joyful and happy with what she was doing while she was over there thinking, what on earth? I, like, this is just, it's a meaningless task. And, and I want to read you the quote. Um, this is how she came to know Jesus. She was in her living room by herself, and, and she says this, an overwhelming sudden realization that I didn't need my neighbor's composure as much as I needed her Christ. And she goes on to say she just began to weep right there in her living room and gave her life completely to Jesus. And it, it, it wasn't because there was a knock on the door and an evangelist. It wasn't a Billy Graham crusade on TV. Nobody was there. She watched another person living joyfully the, the notes and the calling that they were in at that season of their life. And that was the anointing that led her to the Lord. Don't demean where you're at right now. It's the season God's called you to be. And I'll tell you, to that lady who, who, who experienced Jesus by the other lady's testimony and just living her life, to her, that moment, that living of the life, the, 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 the housewife there was more important than, than if you'd given your entire life to feed the children of India. As if the, the, the Red Sea was parted. No, the most anointed place you can be is singing the notes, living the life, from the Lord when he's leading you. And that's where your anointing is. Amen? Now here's the deal. Here's some encouragement to you. Colossians 3.23 says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. Whatever you do. Now there's a bunch of doo-doos here. Because you all do stuff. 
Wherever you're at in your life, you're doing stuff. Maybe you're a high school student. Maybe you're a, you're a college student. Maybe you're working a job. You're in this point in your life, you're in a job that you know it's not your end game, right? Every, we've all had those jobs. You know, I'm only here for this season till I can get to point B, right? Point A is certain. What if we took seriously what the word says here? And whatever we do in this moment, Right now, you're where the Lord's called you to be. What if you did it as unto the Lord? All I do is get up and vacuum and go get groceries. What if you did that as unto the Lord? Well, all I'm doing right now is flipping burgers. Is that all you're doing? If this is what the Lord's called you to do, there's no more anointed place than flipping that burger as unto the Lord. Well, nobody's ever gotten saved through a hamburger. Hey, listen, I've come close, all right? The truth is, the anointing on you to do it, if you're doing it unto the Lord, it will have a greater impact on the kingdom of God than is if you wrote your own script. Do what God's put before you. He's called you. You're part of this beautiful body of Christ. You are anointed. Now, I also want to say this. That doesn't make your part the most important. It just makes it as important. Okay, because we can also fall into this trap. Because the Lord is so wonderfully called you, all of his callings are wonderful. He, he, he's brilliantly made you beautiful. He is a master creator. When I start to come to that revelation of who he's made me and who has he anointed me to be, there's, there's, there is a temptation to start thinking this way. <gasps> oh, my part is so important. It's more important than anybody else's part. And, and, and we all walk through this immaturity. Some people are super called, let's say, to really be a heart for missions, foreign missions. And then they, they, the temptation is they look at the rest of us who don't have a super heart for it as less than. Well, my part's so important. I am literally helping the homeless every weekend. It's the most, no, it's as important. It doesn't make it any more profound than the guy who gets up and goes to work at a factory, because that's the season of life God has him in the note he's singing. It's the body of Christ. And each part is beautiful and wonderful. And so here's the deal. Yes, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but we have to maintain an attitude of humility. I have to look at others with an attitude of humility, and I have to look at myself with an attitude of humility. False humility would say, oh, it's nothing. Oh, it's not. No, it's something. It's good. Your life is important. It's good. That, false humility says, oh, I'm, oh, it's just, no, oh, it's nothing at all. No, it's something. Real humility is looking at your life and the life of others through the lens of grace. You wouldn't be where you were except for the grace of God. You wouldn't be where you were except for the grace of God. Can you say amen to that? If I start to literally, I look at other people through the grace of the Lord, my life will start to take on a more rich meaning and I will start to love them and love the body of Christ in a deeper way than I ever could have imagined. You must maintain humility while looking at others or one of two things will happen. Keep this in mind. If I'm not humble and I'm looking at others, I'll either get really prideful about who I am and how wonderful I am or I'll get very discouraged about who I'm not and who they are. I'll either get really prideful or really discouraged and depressed. And both of those things aren't humility. That's not the lens of Jesus. Humility is not thinking little of yourself. It's thinking of yourself 
in the light of God's grace. Whether, whether somebody else's acts are big or small, you look at them, or just plain foolishness, right? Let's look at the bad for a second. I have, I have a friend who I knew, I know knows Jesus, went astray and he's in prison for at least the next foreseeable future. I can, I can look at him in one of two ways. I could look at him through the lens of grace, or I could look at, oh, at least I'm not there. I can, I can use his predicament to make my life feel much better. Oh, I know I'm going through a rough patch, but woo-wee! That's not humility, that's pride. The people we call murderers, lazy, uh, evildoers, a friend struggling with addiction, all of those things, it's really tempting to start looking down upon them to make ourselves feel good. That's a lie, that's fake humility. John Bradford, he was a, he was a reformer in, in, our, in, in church history, amazing man of God. But he was, you probably heard the, the expression before, there but the grace of God go I. There but by the grace of God go I, right? Essentially meaning this, boy, if it weren't for the grace of God, I could be in the exact same predicament. And he was said to, he, 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 he uttered this phrase, he was watching people being led to the gallows and beheaded, and he said, there but for the grace of God goes John Bradford. That's humility. It's understanding that had I been born into their circumstance, and their, and I could very easily be in the same predicament. And it gives me a heart for them rather than a heart against them. Abraham Lincoln, who led our great nation during the time of the Civil War. He was out to, we were out to end slavery because we knew slavery was evil. But he said this about the people of the South, the slave owners, the opposition, he said this, don't criticize them. They are just what we would be under similar circumstances. They're just what we would be under similar, if you had been born in the South, if you had been raised by their parents, you could very easily be in their exact same spot. We always, we always are tempted to raise up the demons in our lives and put them on a platform and name them. Whether it's the Nazis, today it's the terrorists, right? They're just, they're demons, they're terrible. Listen, what they, terrorism is evil, but those humans are created in the image of God. And there, but by the grace of God, go you. Had you been born into their situation, had you been raised, I, I, don't, I don't know that you would be, but you very well could be. And if I can view other people from that, that lens, not the sin, yes, we, do, we, we, we despise the sin, you are invited by the scripture to hate sin. Never once to hate a person. And we live in a, a, we live in a society that we really, we like to divide our, I'm gonna be a Democrat, you're gonna be a Republican, and we point at somebody and call them the devil. Well, Trump's the devil, Pelosi's the devil. Neither of them are the devil. They're both created in the image of God, for goodness sake. Neither of them are the enemy. Folks, there is a God, there is a spiritual realm, and, and, and we have to, it, it takes humility to look at people who I disagree with so blatantly and look at them through the lens of the Lord, and it gives me a heart for them. I don't have a heart for the sin. We have a, a dear, dear, dear family friend who had an abortion years ago. No, I, I, I hate abortion. I believe it's murder. But I love that person to this day there but by the grace of God 
You realize that's the heart for people. God has that heart for the, the most hard-hearted terrorist who wants to blow everybody up. He, had, he would have died for that person because they, he created them in his image and he loves them. And we, we buy it, we, we bought into a lie, but if I can humbly look at people through that lens, there but by the grace of God, oh, I can pray for them, I can love them, I don't even have to agree with you, but I can love you forever. Because God loves you every bit as much as he loves me. Folks, humility, humility. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Your battle is never against flesh. It's against the spiritual forces of evil. The only way to fight that battle is through love, is through prayer, is through, is through looking through the lens of Jesus, who gave his life for us when we would crucify him. They're all practical purposes. We should have been the enemy. He should have come down and fought us and killed us all because we were evil. But he didn't look at us that way. He looked at us as his, his sons and his daughters who he loved. And he didn't want anyone to, to, to spend eternity without him, so he gave his life up. That's, a, that's the lens we're invited to see other people with. So we do focus on others as we're singing the part the Lord's given us, but we don't focus on them as the rival. We focus on them as somebody to sing with. We don't compare ourselves to them. We, admire, we administer grace toward them. We do not compare ourselves to them, okay? I, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. This is also really good. You're gonna wanna hear this, right? We don't compare ourselves to the other parts that the Lord is singing through people, right? Let's go back to my example. Doo-doo, shoo-bee-doo, right? That's my part, doo-doo, shoo-bee-doo. So-and-so's part is in the still of the night, right? We're singing two different parts. I can't compare the doo-doop, doo-bee-doop to the in the still of the night. They're two different parts. Well, I'm singing the doo-doop. It's like this. If you, uh, teachers, English teachers, we, we use rubrics to help grade essays and assignments, right? It helps us remain fair and unbalanced, or imbalanced. No, balanced, we wanna be balanced. But let's say this, I gave you the assignment to write a creative anything goes story about anything. And I gave you the assignment to write a research essay on the founding fathers, okay? Now if I took the rubric I created for the creative writing and graded Dan on that rubric, he's gonna fail and vice versa. They're different parts that the Lord has asked. They're different notes. But if I, I'm gonna write a creative story, I can draw on Dan's knowledge now of what he's researched, and I can incorporate that into my creative story, and I can create something beautiful. I harmonize. If I, get, if, I, if, if I compare myself with others, I will either be prideful about my part, or I'll get despairing because I, I didn't write a research paper. Who am I? Either way, it's a false humility, and we need to be people of humility. So here's the deal. Let's, let's, let's switch and look at this. If you, if you ever feel this, and if you, you feel discouraged because you don't feel you're doing enough for the kingdom. Anybody ever felt that way? Well, you, you hear a great testimony. Someone comes up here. We had somebody uh, here. They, they minister in the Middle East. In, you know, the, and, and, and it's easy to hear that and be like, what am I doing? I vacuum the carpet in the mornings. Okay? That 
That is not why we have people share testimonies. That's not true. That's not why we have people share what God's doing in them. Right? Listen, because here's the deal. Here's what you ask yourself. Is the Lord calling me to the Middle East right now? If the answer is no, then you're good. We celebrate. Oh, that's awesome. Well, praise the Lord. Is the, what is the Lord calling you to do? Let me give you the rubric to measure yourself by. Here's what, this is going to free many of you up today. Here is your measurement for success in your life. Okay? You ready? It's not comparing anybody else. You measure your success in, in your life by obedience. Period. Am I obeying what the Lord is asking me to do? And if the answer is yes, enjoy it. It's simple. Well, right now, oh, I need, to, I need to serve at the Lighthouse Mission every single weekend. Is the Lord calling you to do it? Not right. I, I don't have time to do it. Well, maybe he's not calling you to do it right now. So relax. What's he calling you to do? You do it with all your might as unto the Lord, and that's the anointing on your life right now. And I stay in tune with him. And I'm like, Lord, I continually lay my heart before you. Is there any way that I need to change? Is there something you're calling me to? And if he says, yes, go do this, then go do it. The only measurement you have is the word of God in obedience to the voice of the Lord. I'm not measuring myself against Billy Graham. I'm going to lose that battle because it's his notes to sing. And if he measured his life based on Andy Fox, he would lose the battle. I'd beat him. Because I'm trying to live the life God's called me to live for this time. I'm trying to do what God lays before me. Well, right now, I'm just so busy with my kids. Well, praise the Lord. This is the anointing on your life right now. Do it as unto the Lord. It's going to be the greatest song you can sing. It'll have more effect for the kingdom of God than if you neglected your kids and decided you were going to go to Calcutta. You do what God's called you to do. And this is why, this is why I, I invite you not to watch the app, Apple iPhone uh, media events anymore. Because I used, I, I'd get the new iPhone. And I was like, yes! I got the greatest iPhone of all time. The iPhone 7. It's the best. And I, I'm, I'm happy for about six months, and then October hits. The iPhone 8. Look at all the things the iPhone 8 does that the iPhone 7 doesn't do. All of a sudden, I'm discontent with what the Lord has given me in the moment. I, honestly, this is funny, but I had, to, I had to stop. I used to follow those every year, and it made me depressed about what phone I had. It's stupid, right? But we do this with our lives. Oh, I can't believe that so-and-so is doing this, and I'm just stuck here vacuuming the carpet for Jesus. Listen, if it's really for Jesus, then do it as unto him. Let the iPhone 11 have itself, and when the Lord calls you to the iPhone 11 season, enjoy it, because the iPhone 12 is also coming out next month. <laughs> so I enjoy what God is doing in me right now, today, and that's how I honor the Lord. That's how I measure my obedience. I measure it by, am I being obedient today? Okay, I want to give you one unsung hero before we leave today. And this, this is a name, it's another one of those folks in the scripture that doesn't get the name. We'll figure out this person's name when we get to heaven, I'm sure. She, she is known for two things. In fact, she's named by two things. She is a widow and she's poor. Two things we all love to be known by. Oh, you're that poor widow. Sweet. Good to meet you. 
No, we don't want to be known by, by, the, by, by things like that. We want to be known by our success. Oh, you're the valiant warrior with a thousand kids. Yes, that's right. I don't want to be known by that either. So this lady is known as the poor widow. And I have to show you a quick clip. Here's what's, not just yet. Uh, here's the season we're in. This is Jesus. Um, and, and right now, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're really puffing themselves up. They really like to make a show of everything they do. And, uh, and, and they, were, they would give extravagantly out of their wealth and make big shows of it, big show of their prayers. Uh, here's a fun prayer uh, offering time that we're going to institute next week. Listen, honestly, even in this, I can't judge that guy's heart. He might be doing that as under the Lord, right? So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad comparison. But the truth is, like, that, if I have to make a big show of everything I do, like, and this is what was going on in Israel, right? They had to make a big show. Like, I have a million dollars, and I've got, I'm giving a hundo, I'm giving a hundo. Everybody understand I'm giving a hundo. Backflip into the offering code, right? So here's what Jesus is doing. He's, he's sitting in the temple. Now, Jesus was a people watcher, and he still is. He just loves to watch his, his kids. And he's sitting there in the temple, and he's watching what's going on. And this is where the poor widow comes in. And this is in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts into the collection box, doing backflips. No, I added that. The poor widow came and dropped it in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, that this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they've given a tiny part of their surplus, but as poor as she is, she's given everything she has. Period. Move on. That's what we get of the, of the poor widow. She was being obedient. That's what she was doing. It's like, I, I know I'm to honor God with my finance, and I'll give, oh, Lord, I'll give you everything, whatever you want. And she just put in two small coins. Now, now into, in, in the economy, two small coins means nothing compared to a $100 bill, right? But to the Lord, this is the bazillion dollars to him. Because this is a sacrificial act of obedience to what he's calling this person to do. And I can, he can do more with that. Let's say I'm, I, I'm a, I earn $10 million a year and I'm dancing around. I gave $1,000. We all know $1,000 is more than two pennies. It doesn't take rocket science, but the Lord says, wow, that's nothing. I can't do anything with that because you're not doing it in obedience. Your heart has to be behind it for it to make a difference in the kingdom. Obedience is the measure. Now, you're all getting a little tense because I'm bringing up the widow's offering. We're talking about money for a second here, and that's okay. We already took our offering, so you can't judge me, all right? You can try to forget all about it by next Sunday. We're all called to be givers and tithers. We know that, 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 that in the scripture. That, in fact, this is the one thing the Lord tells us to test him in. We're not to put him to test in anything else, but when it comes to giving, according to Malachi, we're to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. He says, test me in this and see if I won't pour out so much blessing on you. At the risk of stepping on your toes, if, if, you, if you were to come to me, like, I really want to grow in my faith. I don't know. I just feel like I'm stagnant. I don't, am I, am I, I need to, I want to grow in the Lord. What can I do? I'd say, are you giving? Are you tithing? What? Well, what does money have to do with it? Listen, these are the two things I would ask you. Are you giving of your finances and are you reading the word of God? These would be the top two things. 
Are you eating and are you exercising? I'm going to lose weight this year. Are you eating right? No. Are you walking around at least? No, I haven't yet, but I'm going to do it. You want to get in shape? You exercise. Listen, I, we take this money thing so crazily. In fact, we, we think about it more often than most anything else. Our finances and our money. This is why the Lord says, test me in this. Put that one to the test, because the deal is, he always proves himself faithful. And he knows that if you'll test him in that, in this small thing, like it's just money to him. What a, he created everything. But we, our hearts get so lustful after it, and we, our, our society makes it the, the god of the world. We go out, everything is money, money, money. Like, well, why don't you give me some of it? Give me 10% of it. See if I'll be faithful with it. See if I'll be faithful. And when we do that, he always proves himself faithful. And then, this is why I, I believe this is, the, this is one of the cornerstones of discipleship. It's something very tangible that I can lay down and test the Lord in. Then when he comes and says, hey, how about, you, uh, how about you honor me with the way you treat your parents? How about you honor me with, with, your, with your sexuality and the way that, that you're treating your spouse? Well, he's faithful. He's faithful. He's proven himself faithful. Hey, if the Lord's saying, I want you, I want you to go to Timbuktu. I'm calling you. My heart is like, well, you've never let me down. He's got to decide. I've, been, I've been disciplined and I've been discipled. I'm, eat, I'm eating the word and I'm practicing putting my money where my mouth is. So there's nothing he couldn't ask me to do that I wouldn't say, wow, okay, as I grow in the Lord. And this isn't a money message. This is an obedience message. That's it. I want to grow. If you, that's you, you want to grow? Are you, are you reading the word? Are you giving? That's it. I'm not trying to increase the coffers here. I'm trying to increase your faith trying to increase your measurement. If, if the only tool I'm giving you to measure your success is if you're being obedient to the Lord, not comparing yourself to how much Pastor John gave, not comparing yourself to how much Bill Gates gave, how much did you give? Are you being obedient? And let's just take money out of it so you're not weirded out. How much of your life have you given to him? Well, I don't know. Probably not as much as Billy Graham. Okay, you just failed. <laughs> Are you being obedient to what he's called you to do? Well, right now, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, working, I'm, I'm working 60 hours a week. Okay. Has the Lord called you to do that? Well, yeah, I think so. In this, praise the Lord. What an anointed place you're in. Do it. Do it as unto the Lord. Dedicate it. Wake up and dedicate your day to the Lord. Dedicate your next trip to the grocery store as unto the Lord. Honestly, there's a blessing there, and there's an anointing that will overflow with you at the grocery store than as if you got up here and preached every week. Obedience. That's it, right? Amen? Obedience is all the Lord's asking from us. Unsung heroes of the faith. I want to conclude with this. And we're going to spend, we're just going to spend a minute and, and, and just let the Holy Spirit speak to our heart about areas that maybe he's called us into. Some of you are going to step back into a calling that, that he's, he's placed on your life. Others of you, you can just rejoice in the fact that you're being obedient, even in the things that you think are me, just they don't have any significance. They do. I tell you, I gotta, it's tough to be a pastor's kid because you get brought up all the time. Luckily, she's not here right now. It's fair game. My seven-year-old daughter, uh, praise the Lord for Pastor Erica. She challenged these kids last week. I didn't even know about it. 
um, something fast-like. She was just challenging them to give one thing up in their life for a week unto the Lord. I didn't even know about this until it was a Thursday or Friday, and, and my little seven-year-old daughter, she asked me, Daddy, what day is it today? Well, it's Thursday. <gasps> she could see her doing the math. Only three more days, and I get to play the Nintendo Switch again. Look, well, why can't you play? I didn't even know about this. Why can't you play the Switch? Pastor Erica challenged us to give one thing up to the Lord this week, and that's what I chose. I was just blessed. I'm like, wow, what a faithful, faith. Sat, Friday, sat, she, every morning she'd wake up. Saturday, yesterday she wakes up. What day is it today? Saturday. Oh, I get to play the Switch tomorrow. I'm like, oh, that's great. Well, Saturday night comes around. She disappeared from the house. Or, I mean, she was in the house. I just didn't know where. When things get too quiet, parents, we start to go looking. And, uh, and I, I, I saw her, and she had a guilty look. I'm like, what are you doing? She had the Switch in her hand. And, uh, and I'm like, what you, if my first thought was, are you watching something bad? No, I'm just playing a little game. And I didn't even think about it until my other daughter's like, you weren't supposed to be watching that. You told the Lord you'd give it up for a week. <laughs> and my youngest just bawled and wept and was broken. And, just, and, and as a dad, oh, it, it, it hurt my heart. But I was, I, at the same moment, I was so blessed. I was so blessed because I'm like, oh, wow, this seven-year-old girl is learning what godly repentance is over something like this. So that when it comes to the bigger stuff, it, she understands God's grace. And I said, I said, wow, oh, I'm so sorry you did that. You know, and, 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 and we talked about the grace of the Lord. We talked about forgiveness. And, and we said, well, we can try again next week. And, and she knew what she'd done was wrong, and she was broken over it. And that was a beautiful thing. And so my, my point here today isn't to make you feel bad for what you've done, at least not long term. If you've fallen from the call of your life, if you've fallen from what the Lord, you've fallen into disobedience, let me just say to you, there's grace all day long for you. Godly repentance come, comes with great joy. In fact, that's where life comes from. And so as we conclude here today, as I pray, if, if, if you've fallen short of the glory of God, just give it back to him. He's like, let's try again this week. He's so good. He's got callings for each of you. And we can get out of sync. We've all sinned and fallen short of his grace. But he, he's so merciful and graceful that he picks you right back up. And he's like, I'm going to continue the calling on your life. Did you know that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance? They're irrevocable. He doesn't take them from you. He called you when you were 10. If you're 59, he's still calling you. No matter how far you've come, how far you've gone, he's still calling you to the same thing. And he's, he's like, let's go again. He gave his only begotten son so that you can continue to walk in the beautiful purpose and see his kingdom come. That's a beautiful thing that the Lord has called us to be. The measurement of your success is just the obedience of your life. So as I pray, I just, I just would let, just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Father, thank you for your grace. <laughs> thank you for your calling, Lord. Thank you that as we honor each other, we have hearts for each other. Father, I thank you that you, your mercies new every morning. So Father, would you just speak to our hearts today? If there's any, any area in our life where we've walked out of sync and out of obedience with you, Father, we repent. And we say, Lord, we're sorry.
And with that repentance, we know that you reach your hand out. And like the prodigal son, you see us coming a long way as often you run toward us. You are a God of restoration. You are a God of healing. And you're a God of purpose. And so, Father, as we walk in all of those things, we see you, we see our lives through your grace, and we see those around us through the eyes of grace. I pray for those who walked in here discouraged about the point in life they're at. They feel like it's meaningless at this moment, Father. Father, that they would commit the thing they think is meaningless and do it unto you, and that you would take that obedience, anoint it, and bring your kingdom in places that the rest of us can't reach. So, Father, we lift up the name of Jesus in our hearts, in our minds. We bless you. We declare our love for you, Lord. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.